Welcome to episode number nine of In the Word with Mel Bennett, a study of scripture passages from the Word of God. It's great to have you with us. My name is Steve Webb. Today, Pastor Bennett will continue his teaching from the Gospel of John. He'll be looking specifically at John 1, verses 19 through 28, and the witness of John the Baptist. So let's see what Pastor B has to say. Thank you, Steve. We will welcome into our ninth podcast. This is nine weeks of podcasting. We praise the Lord for the opportunity, and I thank Steve for his wonderful help. We're going to deal with John 1, 19 through 28, and the witness of John the Baptist. Go with me to John, the first chapter, the 19th through the 28th verse, please. Now this is the testimony of John, when the new Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, Who then are you, Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize, if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you, whom you do not know. It is he who, coming after me, is preferred before me, whose sandal straps I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethlehem, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. I think John is here writing to demonstrate that Jesus is the mind, the reason, the Word of God that has come into this world in the form of a human person. He now begins the story of the life of Jesus. John's Gospel from John 1.19 through 2.11 gives us three kinds of witnesses to Jesus. Number one, the witness of John the Baptist, John 1.19 through 34. Two, he gives the witness of those who accepted Jesus as their master and became his disciples, John 1.41 through 51. And third, witness of Jesus' own wonderful powers, John 2, 1 through 11. First of all, let's go back. Now let's look at John's position. The Jewish leadership sent people to examine John the Baptist. They asked him who he was. This brings up the question, why did they ask him this? There were some of his followers who wanted to claim him to be the Messiah. John the Baptist completely and defiantly refused this idea or claim. Let's look at why he came then. The Gospel of John sets out to show two things. Number one, it is an exhibition of God in Christ, or Christ Jesus showing us what God is like. Secondly, it shows the people's rejection of Jesus as the Messiah. Tragically, it shows the refusal of people to accept Jesus and the offer of God. It shows the love of God and the people's sin. It shows the invitation of Jesus Christ and the people's rejection of that invitation. Secondly, if we will observe today, there is much that has not changed. People's sin is ever-present, and people are still rejecting Christ. We live in a world where people call good evil, and evil good. 
where a few years ago being a Christian was a very popular thing. Today, Jesus is by many rejected and hated. Two kinds of people came to question John the Baptist. I note in these verses, the priests and the Levites, first of all. This was natural for them to have an interest in him because as the son of Zacharias, and as as such, he was a descendant of Aaron's priesthood and in line to become a priest. They would wonder why a descendant of the priesthood would act in such an unusual manner. Secondly, the second group of people who wanted to question John the Baptist were the emissaries of the Pharisees. Behind them, more than likely, was the Sanhedrin. They would deal with anyone who they felt endangered the law or was a false prophet. Both groups were suspicious of anything that was unusual and went against their orthodoxy. You know, we need to recognize that God often does unusual and different things, and we must be prepared to move with Him. Many times, I'm afraid, we miss God because He is ready to do something new, and we are stuck in our traditions. I am not advocating for a moment that we put away and uh, move outside of God's Word, but that we not be afraid to follow His leading beyond our traditional viewpoint of things. John the Baptist did not conform to normal ideas of a priest nor of a preacher. Uh, The church has often rejected a great preacher and refused some great adventures in simply because it wished to be left alone and was suspect of anything new. I heard some people talking the other day about old John Seymour, who was the pastor of uh, Azusa Street Baptist Church where there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and they totally rejected his ministry as a kook and a crazy person because he did not conform to their original ideas and the traditional ideas and viewpoints of what was right. They made him to be something that was wrong, and God used him in a marvelous way in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the early days of Pentecost on Azusa Street. There were three things that were asked of John the Baptist. One, was he the promised Messiah? Two, was he Elijah the prophet returned? And three, was he the expected and promised prophet to come? John's answer to this was, I am simply the voice of one calling on men to prepare for the coming of the Lord, the Christ, the Messiah. Get yourselves ready. The King is coming. The last thing that John the Baptist wanted was not for people to see him. He wanted them to look for and see Jesus. One further thing troubled the Pharisees in particular. They asked, why did John baptize? Baptism for the Jews was a cleansing process that took place only when there was an individual who was not of the Jewish faith, and they wanted to convert to the Jewish faith. An Israelite was never baptized because he was already washed in the water of the Spirit. He was one of God's chosen people, and therefore clean already. John further said, I am only baptizing with water, but there is one among you who you don't recognize him. And I'm not worthy to untie the straps of his shoes. He could not have given himself a lower possible position, because this was the work of a slave. I'm not fit to be his slave, is what he said. John's function was to be only a preparer of the way. Any greatness he had came from the greatness of the one whose coming he foretold. John is a great example of what believers should be today. We must tell people that Jesus is coming again. We must be willing to become his servants, a finger pointing to him. We are not to be seen, 
only Jesus is to be seen. Now John deals with the Lamb of God. John 1, 29-31 reads like this, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said after me, becomes a man who is preferred before me. For he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. Once again, John pays a spontaneous tribute to Jesus. He uses a phrase which had been woven into the devotion of every believing Israelite, the Lamb of God. What did John the Baptist mean by this statement? There are four things I believe he could have meant and possibly did mean and that we can learn from. Number one, the Passover lamb showed us the love of God. It was the blood of the slain lamb which protected the Israelite from the death angel just before they came out of Egypt. It was the blood of the lamb which delivered them from destruction. It may be that John the Baptist is saying, There is the only one true sacrifice which can deliver you from death. This was an expression of the love of God. Praise God, we know that true sacrifice is Jesus. For God so loved the world, the scripture says, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Secondly, I believe the Passover lamb is the sacrifice of God. And so we have, first of all, the loving lamb, and secondly, the sacrificial lamb. Perhaps John was thinking of of the sacrifice that was offered daily in this temple for the sins of the people. No matter what the condition, they offered the lamb as a remembrance of God's forgiveness. It may be that people were starving from poverty conditions, or some other great tragedy such as a military siege had had come upon them. They might want to spare the lamb, for food instead of sacrificing it. John's telling the people that God has provided a lamb that will be the sacrifice for the sins of mankind, and he is the one true sacrifice. No more will mankind need a daily sacrifice, for Jesus is the final sacrifice and will meet the needs of all the people. So we have the loving sacrifice, the sacrificial lamb, the sacrifice of God. Thirdly, we have the Passover lamb, as the suffering lamb. There are two great pictures of the lamb in the prophets. Jeremiah eleven nineteen says, But I was like a docile lamb brought to the slaughter. Isaiah 53, 7 says, He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. Maybe John is saying, Your prophets dreamed of the one who was to love and suffer and die for the people. That one has come. It is true that Isaiah 53 has become one of the most precious passages of Scripture that speaks to the church of the suffering of Jesus for our redemption. Maybe John was the first to see this. The suffering lamb, the lamb of God, then, is the triumphal lamb. This is a most unusual interpretation of the passage. You see, during the 400 years prior to the coming of Jesus, there were several uprisings and attempts to overthrow the people who had held the rule over Israel. All of them failed, but these various uprisings were symbolized by a lamb, especially a horned lamb. It became the symbol of triumph to the Israelites. When John said, Behold the Lamb of God, he could have been referring to the eventual triumph of Jesus over all things. 
We certainly can see our Lord as victorious over sin, over hell, and over death. He is our champion, the triumphant Lamb of God. We can see then in Jesus, the Lamb of God, the love of God, the sacrifice of God, the suffering God, and the triumph of our Savior. Oh, hear me this morning. If you've never made him the Lord of your life, why don't you do it now? Open your heart to and receive Jesus as your Savior. Listen to the words of this beautiful old hymn, Look to the Lamb of God. It was written by a Methodist pastor by the name of H.G. Jackson in the late 1800s. It goes like this. If you from sin are longing to be free, look to the Lamb of God. He to redeem you died on Calvary. Look to the Lamb of God. The chorus goes, look to the Lamb of God. Look to the Lamb of God, for he alone is able to save you. Look to the Lamb of God. Verse 2 says, when Satan tempts and doubts and fears assail, look to the Lamb of God. You and his strength shall over all prevail. Look to the Lamb of God. The third verse says, are you weary? Does the way seem long? Look to the Lamb of God. His love will cheer you and fill your heart with song. Oh, look to the Lamb of God. And finally, verse 4 says, Fear not when shadows on your pathway fall. Look to the Lamb of God. Enjoy your sorrow. Christ is all in all. Look to the Lamb of God. The chorus then completes it by saying, Look to the Lamb of God. Look to the Lamb of God. For he alone is able to save you. Look to the Lamb of God. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? Our Father and our God, we thank you for the opportunity of coming into the lives of men and women through this podcast. We pray that you will help men and women to open their hearts to Jesus and receive him as their Savior if they have never done so. Oh God, I pray today that men and women will receive Christ and look to the Lamb of God. They'll see the suffering, the love of God, the suffering of God, the sacrifice of God, and the triumph of God over all things through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. And goodbye. What a beautiful picture of Jesus as the sacrificial lamb that takes away the sin of the world. If today's study touched your heart, I know that Pastor Bennett would love to hear from you. You can write to him at pastorb at lifespringmedia.com. I invite you to visit lifespringmedia.com and take a look at the content we have available for you there. There are over 2,100 podcast episodes, including over 50 interviews. Maybe you'll find some that pique your interest. Take a look. Just go to lifespringmedia.com slash interviews. Be sure to join us again next week when Pastor Bennett continues his study of the Gospel of John. In the meantime, tell a friend about the podcast, won't you? Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you. May He be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. I'm Steve Webb. Bye. Oh,